Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. I want to talk today about breaking down religious strongholds and kind of transition from what I said earlier about why does God, you know, why do we sometimes think, well, God's not doing what I need or God's not, uh, or what am I doing wrong that's not, I'm not getting God's attention, you know. It's family feud style. You like the, uh, you know, breaking down religious strongholds, kind of family feud. If I could play the theme song, I would have. It's one of my favorite theme songs. Anybody else like the family feud theme song? All right, there's going to be, I had, well, I actually had a lot more scriptures today, but I I kind of trimmed it down Um, because I was going one direction with today. It's funny how, reading certain parts of these scriptures made me kind of say, wait a minute, there's something else kind of different in here. Um, so we're going to transition just a little bit. Um, and I really want you to, to open up kind of your spiritual ears and eyes to say, um, like, take the slate clean. Because a lot of times we come in here and we have, not just in here, in life, I think, we have, we have religious mindsets that are hard to break. And it's not fair sometimes because maybe that's the church you grew up in, maybe that's the way your parents were, Um, you know, you were taught by somebody, and therefore it's ingrained in there. And sometimes it's hard to say, you know, no, this is is theologically correct, and you're like, no, 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 that's not what I was taught. That's not what I've heard. Um, So hopefully within these scriptures we can kind of see some things, make a step back and say, okay, maybe I would need to look at that, revisit that a little bit uh, different. So the first we're going to start is Matthew 8, verses 28 through 32. My font never comes up big enough. And when he came to the other side, this is Jesus, to the country of the Gerardines, two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tomb so fierce that no one could pass that way. So you think about it, these two men were so vicious, angry, possessed that no one even went near them. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. They came out and went to the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. Now, where I want to touch on today is we're going to talk about some myths, and then we're going to do some breakdowns to counter those myths. The next slide, please. Myth number one. The thing you're praying against is stronger than you. As you can see there, it kind of got me thinking, you know, there's two demonic possessed men. People were scared to death. I mean, we're not even going over there because those guys, who knows what they're going to do. So we'll just steer clear of them. Jesus, did he have any fear? Was he worried about what these two men could do to him or that he couldn't handle the situation? But sometimes I think we have these, you know, we have, things in our mind. I can't defeat this thing. I don't have enough power to do anything about that. I better call someone else to come pray for this thing. And we have all kinds of, I don't want to say, I'm not saying excuses, but we have mentalities of, okay, I'm seeing this demonic presence. 
I don't have, I don't, I surely can't do anything about that. I'm going to take care of, or ask somebody that can. And I, I saw this in the natural. Um, people probably heard me tell this my first time or the second time in, in Africa when at the end of the service we're praying over people, a girl like manifested uh, like demonic presence and she was 105 pounds and she was putting up a fight with everybody and there was people praying for her. Well, the, the associate pastor or you know, whatever you want to call him over there at the church, he, he looked, I mean, he made Hunter look small. He was like shoulders this wide and he was just marching around and I'm thinking, I watched him start praying for her and I was like, that guy's got it. I ain't, you know, like, and I kept feeling stirred to go over and pray for this girl, but I kept looking at the natural. I'm like, I'm seeing this and it's hard to, I know it doesn't really make sense, but I'm seeing it in the physical. Like that guy's 250 pounds of muscle and he's going to go over there and manhandle her and get that demon out of her. That's where my mind was. And I had to kind of convince myself, this isn't a physical battle. This is a spiritual battle. And so she's putting up a fight with him, and he gave up on her. He's like, all right, you know. Like, not, not like he was losing a physical battle, but she wasn't, the manifestation wasn't stopping. Um, so I say that to kind of get your mind stirred on that thing that you appears stronger than you, demonic presence, is not stronger than you. Myth, next slide. Breakdown number one. And if you need to break these down, where do we go to? The Word. Don't get caught in your own mentality and your own physical limitations and your own, like, well, I don't know enough. I don't, I don't believe enough. I don't have enough faith. I, all those things want to come into your brain. Go to the Word. Let's, let's, let's look at these three things and kind of see how they all tie in together. The to 1 John 3.8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to... Destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. So he came to defeat the works of the devil. He says, you do what I also did. So you defeat the works of the devil. And then 1 John 4, 4. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So if you tie those three things together, Jesus came to defeat the devil. He says, you're going to do the same thing I did, and greater is he that's in you that's living in the world. You don't, I mean, you could, there's more scriptures you could tie to that, but you take those three, that should be enough. That tells you that I don't care what kind of demonic thing, sickness, disease, torment, you, being a believer, have the power to do something about it. It's in you. It's in you. Get, get your mind out of the negativity, the lack of faith. We always, the, the devil wants to, he wants to fill you with all kinds of excuses. Ah, you don't know enough scripture. You haven't read your Bible in three days. How are you going to pray for somebody? You didn't even go to church last week. You better go to church the next two or three weeks before you even think about it. you can pray for somebody. And what happens is we sit there and we have a check. We have a checklist to think where where you, you you achieve status with God. Okay, I made it to church the last two weeks. I read two full books in the in the Bible. Um, I didn't cuss today. I, yeah, I didn't play golf. 
Uh, so. <laughs> Ain't Kyle here? But we think we have to like mark off these checklists, then I have achieved. I get my little ribbon, now I can pray for people. And that's not it. That's not it. And spiritually speaking, you're greater than that thing. If me and Hunter were to sit down and arm wrestle, and we're like, just play some bets, there'd be hundreds. And uh, the biggest bills you got to bring on, I got 100 on 100. I got 500 on 100. I'm taking that. I'll take them odds. Because you'd see it in the natural. But if you look, if you got to step back sometimes to see things in the physical or in the spiritual. And like I've said before, when you're looking at a need and you're looking, at, I need to pray for somebody. And I'm, I'm looking at Autumn and I say, okay, Autumn's got something I need to pray for. It's not, remember, it's not Autumn that you're praying against or for. It's that demonic thing that's, 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 that's influencing her life that you're praying against. Okay? We've got to be able to step out from, from physic, physical appearance and presence to look at things spiritually and say, I can attack this thing spiritually. I have the power. Jesus told me to do it, and I'm going to do it. That's myth number one. Now, before I go to the next slide, I'm going to, preempt, I'm going to preemptively... Am I good there? I'm going to talk a little bit controversially. God, I'm making up words today, I think. Uh, but hear me out, okay? So, and I, I'm going to use Pastor Fred because this, it lines up perfectly. You'll see what I'm saying. So Pastor Fred has, has built a business. It's an established name. It's successful. Okay? If he, when he passes and he leaves the business to, let's say, his children, whoever, one of the children, or all the children, and he's, he's passed on to heaven, they've taken over the business, but they keep the name. Okay. When problems come into the business, can they say, Dad, you need to take care of this? No. What is it now? It's now their responsibility. But what can they rely on? Everything Dad has passed on. All the promises, all the uh, intelligence, all the intellect, how to handle this, how to deal with that. I've... I've, I've I've groomed them to be successful. I've given them ways of saying, okay, this might arise or this could happen. I've prepared you. I've given you everything. I've built the name. Now it's yours. Okay, are we with me? So if, if a problem does arise, they can't say, Dad, you got to come take care of this. I can't do it. Dad, Dad was so intelligent and so great, I can't live up to his name. I can't do it. But Dad's saying, yes, you can. And what, what they did was keep the name. So when people come to get a car, they say, oh, Timber, man, I know it's reliable. There's good people. I get a good, like, all the good things established with that name. So people are still going to go to Timbrook because of the name, even though Pastor Fred's no longer there. Are we good? Okay, keep that in mind. Want to base that? Next slide, please. Oh, I'm sorry. That that tied up number one. I, I meant to. Sorry. Just to close that up. Whenever I said about you're fearful and you don't want to pray for things, you have all these excuses. 
by accepting the failure and not even trying, you're basically agreeing that Satan or saying Satan's powers are greater than Jesus. If you're looking at a situation going, I better not pray for them. I don't think I can do it. Someone else will have to do it. In a, in a roundabout way, you're basically saying, Jesus, I'm sorry, but your power is just not good enough. And I know, I know it's easier to say, like, well, it's, it's, it's me and my limitations, but if you really believe this word, you do have the power. Okay, now next slide. Matthew 17, 14 through 20. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him, kneeling before him, said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures, and he suffers terribly, for often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have the faith, the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now back to my example with Pastor Fred. If, if he's in the transitioning part of his business, and the kids just keep coming to him saying, Dad, I don't know about Oh, what about this? What about this? He's finally at a point where, like, I've taught you everything. You've watched me. You've, you've learned. You've been with by my side. You've watched this thing. You know how to do this. When are you going to just take responsibility and say, okay, I can do this? That's kind of what Jesus is saying to them. You've watched me pray for people. You've watched me cast out demons. You've watched me open blind eyes. What's the problem here? How long do I have to stay with you guys to get you to get it? And so, myth number two, next slide. There's two of these. There's two tied in with this story. That's tied in two. Number one, praying for this person will not do any good. And we have you know, the excuse, they won't receive anything from me. They'll just make excuses to why they're not healed. And the big one is, they'd rather be sick than be healed. Let's face it, there's people that kind of, embrace their sickness because they get some attention. And they'd rather have the attention of people than to walk in freedom. That's not everybody. I'm not, that, okay, that's not everybody. Please don't take that as this mass, you know. But there's a lot of people that it's mind-boggling because you're like, it's almost like they just embrace it. Like, ah, this is who I am and I'll just keep it and I like the pity parties, and I like people hugging on me and telling me how much they love me, and they just, you know, like. Next slide. Other myth with this is only someone with a title in their name can pray for my need. He's not the pastor, so why bother? I'm going to have to go see Benny Hinn to get my miracle. It's Tuesday, but I guess I'll have to wait till Sunday to get prayed over. If you have a need, 
This is the beauty of the New Testament, the New Covenant. The Holy Spirit lives in all of us. You accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit's living in you. You've now achieved the badge of prayer. Like doing the things Jesus did. You don't have to achieve the title. You don't have to have something in front of your name. And that goes on both sides. So if you're, if you're someone with a need and you're like, okay, well, I see this. I know they're a Christian, but I know they get a church, but I, I can't get to the pastor. Well, I guess my need's not going to get met. And then what happens in a bigger church especially is you get, you get church hurt because the pastor is probably never going to pray over you directly. And then you think, well, I'm not staying here. The pastor won't even pray over me. When there's 2,000 people in there, 5,000 people in there. And then you're hurt and mad at the pastor. And you leave and you tell everybody, oh, see, the pastor won't even, he won't even take time out to spend with me. Like, well, you kind of just re-looked at that situation. You try to think of a pastor who would try to line up to meet with 5,000 people, individuals. Not that everyone wants to meet with the pastor, but just think if only 500 of them did. Think about trying to meet with 500 people in a certain amount of time. They think the pastor has no life outside of that. Like, he has no family. Like, he, you know, <laughs> I mean, he's got to still spend time in prayer. He's got to read his Bible, spend time with his family. Any Christian, again, should be able to pray for any need. And you should be able to receive prayer from any Christian about your need. If, you're, if, you're, if your mentality is, you're standing, you come up to the altar maybe, or you're, you're, at a, you're at an event, and all of a sudden someone comes over to you, and, and may, you know, they're, just, they're just the you know, person you see in church every Sunday, they should pray to every, and your mind goes, only this person, great, I guess nothing. You're not, you aren't going to receive anything. You're not. If I'm up here for prayer, eyes closed, and I'll send the hands on my back, if I'm doing this, is that Fred? I need Fred. Oh, that's Levi. Levi's not a pastor. He's just a guitar player. If Levi wants to come pray for you, I'd, I'd put my hands up and receive it. If Darrell wants to come pray for you, I'd put my hands up and receive it. If Ray Dawson comes up and prays over you, I'd receive it. If Crystal Dawson comes up, do I need, do I need to keep going? I don't know if I know everybody by name. I, I could probably do 75, 80%. Receive, man. When you're in a situation, like think about God's timing. You're praying for something. You're believing for something. All of a sudden, that person's in front of you putting their hand. Don't you think there's a chance God lined that up? Or do you think God messed up? Whoops. Gosh, you're supposed to be over here. And you're supposed to. Uh. Like, like, trust in God's timing. Trust in God's purpose and plan. Next slide. We're going to break those two down too. Mark 16, 17, and 18 says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, 
They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. They drink any deadly poison that will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick. They will recover. In John 14, 13 and 14, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Back to Pastor Fred's business. It's his, it's that name. It's the Timbrook name. When Jesus went on, after he was crucified, he said, in my name, you will. You will. You will. And I want to talk just, just a brief, quick moment on our responsibility and that fine line. When you see a need, you shouldn't be going, well, okay, Jesus, you, you, you do this. Like, you are commanded to meet that need. And if, I didn't put it on the slide, but in Acts, the perfect example is in Acts 16. I'll read it real quick. I know it's not on the slide. But Acts 16, uh, 16 to 34. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim you the way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days. Paul, having been greatly annoyed, turned and said, I command you, in the name of Jesus, to come out of her. Do we see that fine line between you're expecting Jesus to do it as opposed to you're doing it in the name of Jesus? Same way with Fred's business. It's his name, the family name, but they're now responsible for what happens in the business. But they can rely back on the name. My dad taught me this. I know how to take care of this. And that's what Jesus is saying. You pray. When you go up to that person, you know, AJ's got something, blah, blah. Okay, Jesus, you know, I hope you take care. Like, no. You say, in the name of Jesus, I say, come out of her. Ray's got something going on with the heat, like sickness. You know, he's got something going on. Maybe his back gets all, you know, attacked and he's, you know, can't even straighten up. I command you in the name of Jesus back straighten up. You're, you have responsibility in this. And it goes back to what Jesus said to the disciples. How long do I have to stay with you? I'm, I'm gone, guys, here soon. You need to step up. Next man up. Let's go. And it's a fine line. I know a lot of people say, like, what are you trying to say? Like, Jesus can't do it? That's not what I'm saying. It's because of Jesus that it's going to happen. If you start doing it, Without saying the name of Jesus, it's not going to happen either. There's another story in there where the Pharisees calling Jesus, they said, oh, he's just casting out things by the name of, of the devil. In the name of the devil, feels above, he's, he's doing this. And here's another problem. I, I know I said this, I, I don't, maybe I didn't say it, I think I did. But another problem where I think we have, maybe we don't see enough happening, you know, miracles, breakthroughs is for some people, if I come up here and all of a sudden I'm, I'm like, I, I want to take this thing by the horns, I'm like, okay, and I'm going to start praying for people. I'm like, you know what, Hunter? Hunter's got 
sickness in his body, and I come over and I pray on him. He goes, man, it's gone. I feel healed. Too many people, you know what they start going? I can do this. See, I have the power to pray over people and heal them. It becomes a pride. The enemy's slick, man. He'll, he'll, he can... All of a sudden, you, you have this revelation. Ding, light comes on. Wait, I do have that spiritual authority. I can pray over people. Man, okay, in the name of Jesus. And you start, but all of a sudden, you see a couple breakthroughs. All of a sudden, it's no longer about Jesus' name. It's about me. I can heal people. But so that has to be where we stay grounded in the name of Jesus. That's the only way it's going to happen. That's the only way it should happen because it gives glory to them. That's who's supposed to get the glory. Jesus came, did his works, went through torment crucified, buried, all he went through all that just to hand you the keys and say, take it and run. Next slide. Praying in Jesus' name also takes the pressure off both parties. It gets you out of the way. Don't focus on the person you're praying for or for the person praying for you. Focus on Jesus alone. And I think that's another thing that happens. You come up here to have a need met and someone's praying over you. You're like focusing on their words. What are they saying? Are they saying things right? Is that scripturally sound? Is that the right thing? And the opposite's true. You start to pray over somebody and you, you're thinking like, Man, I, w- I want to say that one scripture about healing. What is it? Is, is it scripture? Oh, I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to say the wrong thing. And you get caught in this net of like doubt because you think I don't I can't quote that scripture I want to. So on both sides we can get caught on this I'm focused on me. Or you're waiting for that person's like you know like you're gonna feel like some lightning bolt shoot through your body. Not saying you might you you there's a good chance you are gonna feel something. But again if you're just focused on the person in front of you praying for you instead of focusing on him there's a problem. And a lot of times that's a stronghold too. We want to come up here and get needs prayed for, but what do we do? We're worried that everyone out there is going to have an opinion. Uh, what's somebody, what's, what's people in the church going to think if I go up and get prayed over? Why do they get prayed over? So if your focus is out there, your focus needs to be on Jesus. And when you're getting prayed over, your focus needs to be on Jesus. Not who's watching you. Not necessarily who's praying over you. Not what words are they saying. Did they say the right scripture? Is your heart right when you're praying for somebody? If I'm praying over somebody and I accidentally say Matthew instead of Mark, is that going to mess up the healing? The, the thing is, is your heart right? When Jesus prayed over people many, many times, it said he had compassion on people. Compassion. When you're praying over somebody, do you really care to see their life changed? Or is it just another person? Because to Jesus, each person was somebody he loved 
unconditionally. Can you pray over somebody that you have an issue with? Can you pray over somebody that you kind of go, I don't, I don't even know them? Can you see them as a child of God just like you are? Because that's what Jesus did. Each, each, each person that he prayed for, delivered, healed, set free, was a child of God. He, he, he recognized that. He didn't judge on this outside appearance and be like, eh, you done. We need to get there. You go to pray for somebody, your heart needs to really say, I want to see this person's life changed. I want to see this person delivered, set free, and healed. Because I love them. Not in a creepy way. I love them because they're a fellow child of God just like me. And we're all in this together. Next slide. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, anointed the man's eyes with the mud, and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Next slide. Myth. I deserve this thing because of my sin. This is God paying me back for stealing from work. I deserve this after all the bad things I've done. There's no chance I can get healed. I can't stop sinning. How many of you all have heard that, that somebody has said they deserve their sickness? They deserve their pain, torment, getting paid back. Not that there's not consequences of sin, but the consequences aren't God sending punishment down into your life. If you go out and rob a bank, you might get locked up and go to jail, but you're not going to get diagnosed with cancer because God's punishing you. Don't mistake, don't confuse consequences of your actions and decisions with punishment from God. How do we break this one down? Next slide. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You didn't get cleaned up enough. You didn't, you didn't earn it. He didn't wait while we were still sinners. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Mark 2.17, when Jesus heard it, He said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Your sin doesn't preclude you from coming, getting prayed over. Matter of fact, a lot of times when you come in your sin and get prayed over, that's the moment that your life gets turned around. You're no longer going to want to do that sin. 
You don't have to clean up first. Why are we all in here today? Let's ask a real basic, simple question. Because we all need Jesus. All of us. Not the last person that walked in the door, not the first person that walked in the door. Everybody. Not just somebody sitting in the back that I don't know. Me too. We all need Him. That's why we're here. And see, we say, we say things about, like, we, we, we want to beat ourselves up when we sin. And yes, there's conviction, and yes, there's the Holy Spirit. There's grace telling you, come on, man, you're better than that. Let's just turn this thing around. Let's just... But too often, we stumble, and, and we just slump and give up. Say, oh, I'm never... See, I need this breakthrough, but God's never going to answer my prayer because I just... I'm just I can't please God. Look at all my bad decisions. God, God has to be up there mad at me. I'm such a failure. And meanwhile, if you read the prodigal son, God is just waiting with open arms for me to come back home. He's not mad. He's not arms folded, ready to scold you. He wants you back. We, we, we allow this, this I'm trying to think. I, had, I just had a conversation with somebody the other day about this. I hope when it comes back to me, if it doesn't, it's okay. Next slide. Stick with me on this. If the prerequisite for healing and deliverance is to be sin-free, then no one is getting healed and delivered. And that statement in itself is contradictory to Scripture. So if you're thinking, well, I have to get sin-free, cleaned up, and then I can go ask God for something. Well, the Bible just got told us we're all sinners. We all fall short. So if we're all sitting that mindset of, well, I can't go to God and ask for anything until I'm sin-free, it's never going to happen. But in the Bible, how many times we read of someone getting delivered, healed, set free? So if you, if you try to have that, if that mindset of I have to be sin-free to get anything I need, well, guess what? You're going against it. Sounds good. It sounds great. Man, I'm sin-free. Well, for at least a couple days. Tomorrow might be a different story. But while I'm sin-free, let me get in the presence of God and get something. Your sin doesn't take you away from the promises. Your sin doesn't take you away from, from any kind of promises of the Bible. If God wants to heal you, He could heal you right in the middle of your sin. And what that should do then is make you go, wow, this God is real. This God can do amazing things. I want to serve Him now. Man, I want to serve Him now. Is reading the Bible about you know, cleaning your house up and keeping it filled because if it's not filled, the enemy's coming back seven times stronger. So, I mean, God can take you right out. I mean, bam, show up in the middle of your sin, clean you right up, set you free, heal you. But then too many times we go, oh, man, I feel great. I want to get back to my sin. Seven, man, seven, 
man, this man's ready. We're going to pound this person. Set a time trial. Next slide. This is my last. John eleven thirty eight forty four. 44. Lazarus coming back from the dead. Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for it's been, he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? They took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for what you, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died, come out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him, let him go. Next slide. Myth. If God hasn't answered my prayer by now, then either he didn't hear me, or I guess I'm just not getting my breakthrough. It's been a week, so I guess the answer is no. I need to read my Bible more this week to earn my miracle. I mean, there are so many people worse off than me, so I feel greedy asking for this thing anyway. We're, we, we've become a, and it's a popular term, we've become a microwave kind of Christianity in this day and age. We think we should be able to pray, hit the button, wait 30 seconds, and have your miracle. The miracle's nice and hot. Here it is. Fresh out the microwave. But let's face it. Sometimes these things take time. Sometimes things have to be lined up. People have to be put in the right place. Things have to move. And too often, we, we pray for something, and if, it, if it's not answered in a couple days, we we're, we're, we're gave up. Not holy enough. Not righteous. I, I, I didn't pray the right prayer. I didn't say the right words. Man, I need to learn how to, what do I need to say to get God's attention? Maybe if I pray a little louder. Maybe if I say it really, you know, oh, I got to play, maybe I play the right song first. I get God. I enter, let's see, enter his presence with thanksgiving and pray. I'll put a Matthew West song on. That'll get God's attention. Then I can pray. Next slide. Breakdown, number five. Isaiah 41, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I'm God. Psalm 34.17, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their trouble. And again, let's, let's not mix up things here. That psalm right there. When the righteous cry for help. Now, too many people read that and they think, I'm not righteous because I'm not. They think righteous is this sin-free, upstanding like person. All righteousness really means is you're a believer. Abraham was credited to being righteous because he believed in God. 
when a believer, when you're crying out to the Lord, when you, I mean, and that's who you're crying out to, He's going to hear you. And we, I mean, and we hear testimonies from people like, don't stop praying and believing. How many times have you heard of somebody that has a loved one that's, that's either caught up in addiction or just living in the world, living in sin, and the parent prays and prays and prays and prays, and 15, 20, 30 years later, the miracle happened. And that person turned around and said, man, thank God I had a praying mom or a praying grandma or a praying sister, mother, brother, sister, whatever. You see it all the time. What I encourage you is don't think that when you pray, you come to God. And that It's not the next day you don't see that thing happen. God just blew you off. Get in the back of the line. We'll get to you next week. Not it. Reading Daniel about, I mean, I was going to use it, but it was just kind of, it's kind of it's just a lot in that. They, you know, he said, man, when, Daniel, when you prayed, God heard you. When the answer was coming, man, we had to fight against the power of the spirits in the air. 21 days of battle. There's a lot going on in the spiritual world that we just don't see, don't understand. But the Word tells us that when you go to God in prayer, He hears you. He's going to answer you. He's going to respond. You know, and, and people will say kind of ridiculous things, you know, like, well, I asked God for the lottery numbers. I didn't get them. But really, the main reason is, you know why? Because if you won the, the, the $100 million, would you serve the Lord and do great things? It's easy to say yes. I know I would. Oh, yeah. Okay. Or would you buy your mansion and your all your fabulous stuff and go live in the sun? This is what gets God moved. This is what gets God moved. Your heart and your faith. Hebrews says it takes faith to please God. Faith to please God. So when you go into that prayer closet, there can't be a plan B. There can't be a, well, what if? Well, maybe if God doesn't show up, then I better be ready to do this. Faith says God is going to do this thing. Period. Exclamation point. End, end of sentence. There's no like skip down a few lines. Just in case. When and I and I say this a lot, and, and it's still, I mean, trust me, it gets my brain like. But I think when Jesus came upon any situation, any need, he did not have one speck of doubt in his mind about that situation was going to change. None. There was no like, oh wow, I'm getting ready to see a miracle. Like, getting ready to see a miracle. It was just, he just did it. Because he loved the person. Man, I'm going to set them free. I'm going to watch the joy in their face. We go into the situation with doubts, fears. What if? I don't want to pray for that person. What if nothing happens? 
they're going to blame me, or, I, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to let God down. I'm going to fail. Like that's why I said earlier, when you pray in Jesus' name, it takes the pressure off of you. It's not about you. The pressure's off. The pressure is off. Pray for people. Pray over people. Don't wait. Don't call somebody else. Again, God's timing. If you're in front of the need, guess what? You might be supposed to be in front of the need. It might be your time. It might be your chance. And I don't, I don't like to, I mean, I, I kind of don't like to go here because I think it creates this, I don't, I don't want to. I know I got to a point where I started feeling like convicted if I didn't pray, like see somebody at Walmart and I, and I didn't go pray for them. And I'd walk away going, man, what if today was their chance for a breakthrough and I, did, I, I failed. It's like, it, and, and again, I'm not, like, don't let yourself get too beat up. But I think sometimes that's the Holy Spirit kind of just nudging you, saying, hey, come on. This, this was, that was your opportunity. That was their opportunity. That was a divine connection. That was a divine appointment. And there's more. I, I encourage you, because... Where this message started was I wanted to point out when Jesus did the things he did, none of the none of the factors that we kind of get mattered. Like I wanted to show he was in, you know, he was in different places. He was in Canaan, he was in Jerusalem. Uh, you know, didn't matter where he was at. And the different types of healing. Sometimes he laid hands, sometimes he just spoke. As you saw in that one story, he spit in the mud, put on their eyes. Sometimes they needed delivered, sometimes they needed healed. The common denominator with all that is just it's Jesus. It's not this religious, you know, set of well, I have to like every time I see blind eyes, I'm going to spit in some mud, pop it on someone's eyes, tell them to go wash off, and they're going to see. He didn't do that every time. He didn't. Sometimes it's just you speak it. But I'm telling you, as you grow in this thing, you'll start. I think doing like Jesus, you'll start getting like, you know what this person needs? Pour oil on them and pray over them. Lay your hands right on their, you know. Or, you know what this person needs? You need to tell them. Get, like, you see all kinds of different, what we would say is crazy healings. You know, Elijah went up and laid on top of a dead kid, flat, face to face. Would you do that? But it's in the Bible. It's... It's not some radical, but if you did that now, people would go, stop them. Like, we see radical stuff in the Bible. And I think we're afraid anymore to be radical. Be radical. Be radical for Jesus. Is that the last slide? I think there's one more, one more. If Jesus can raise a dead man, then he can raise a dead circumstance. However, even Lazarus and the women can testify that sometimes it sometimes requires 
patient. Sometimes your situation requires you to be still. No, he's God. Just like Abraham was told you're going to have a son, I'm going to form nations under your name and blah, blah. And Abraham's going, how is that going to be possible? Already old. And then what did he do? He went out and did it himself. Instead of using his wife Sarah, here's the Hagar. Let's have a kid because that's what God said. I'm going to have a kid. He wasn't patient. He didn't wait on God. I think too often we do that too. We don't wait on God. We, want to, we don't do it ourselves. God said this is going to happen, so I'm just going to make it happen. God said I'm going to get a new vehicle. And then a week later you're like, you know what? I haven't seen a vehicle, so I'm just going to go to the dealership, pick something out I like. That must be what God wants me to do. And God might have had one hand delivered to you if you'd waited another week. I'm getting rabbit holes again. I want, to, I want to pray here first. Um, 